0: Good evening, Rifters. this is Rifts and Rules, the 5e D&D podcast where we go through the many 5e books and talk about various rules and enhance your gameplay experience. I'm Nathan, the Dungeon Master of Riftwick. And I'm Remy, a player on Riftwick and a Dungeon Master myself. And today
1: we're here to talk to you about problem players. You didn't let me do my intro, you fucking and cunt. that was the end that you interrupted, you dipshit. Oh, shit. <laughs> and with us today to illustrate some of the examples of the problem player, we brought in our most problematic player. Caden Dorif Rondheim, the dwarven paladin from
2: Riftwake. Best podcast on Earth. <laughs> oh,
1: my ears. Thank you, Caden. No problem. Much obliged. So we talked la- on Tuesday about the different player types that exist. However, trying to deal with extremes that become problematic is worthy of its own episode, so here we are. So, to go ahead and start us off, well, we have a good example from just a moment ago. One of the classic issues that a DM might have to deal with, which is of course, the spotlight hog. Okay, man. <laughs> and <laughs> This is basically what it sounds like. There are some times where a player might just be excessively loud and attention grabbing to get the spotlight focused on them. And having the spotlight shift around in the game is a normal part of it. But when there is a player who does try to draw attention to them, well, it can get excessive, and that is where things become problematic. So, Nathan, how do you try to wrangle this lug? So, I I don't,
0: we we haven't really had that on show, but if I, if we didn't have someone uh, who who was particularly bad in um, spotlight uh, hogging, first off, what, what you can do as a DM is essentially try to get your other players more involved and also after that, that session where you get that particular feeling, trying to have a little chat with the person that you have, that like who, who you think has that issue, and then basically tell them about, okay, like um, you seem to have, um, like you, you need to go and let other people have their moments as well and that kind of thing. And help help with that, right, by making sure that um, everyone gets their own moments and their own time to shine on the show, or in this case, your game. Um, by just coming, like when you're suggesting uh, certain actions and so on and so forth, um, maybe say, okay, what does so-and-so think of the situation? And so and basically just lead certain players to give their incorrect opinions
2: now i want to say right that's the first bit of that is a lie that we have had a few moments where like you know i'm going off i'm being got it from the highest best character in the world i don't see why me taking all the attention would be a problem given i'm so brilliant but um that has happened Right, but what, what you do is i'm i'm excited i'm going off in this whole tangent that's fucking completely different to what you have planned and then you just say okay that's good anyway what's josh doing or what you you, you just you cut it short you, you just go back and that's the end of my lovely tangent. And then we cut back. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, you deal with it well, and it's annoying for me, because I don't get that lovely tangent, and I don't get the attention that I deserve, which is 90% of the attention. Because I'm However,
1: we can also compromise by simply giving you moments to enjoy the spotlight, because... You are a very explosive personality, and it is hilarious a lot of the time to let you go off. It's simply to find that kind of compromise to let you go off occasionally, but just not all the time. And that is like you were just talking about. Something that Nathan actually does do quite well is to spread the spotlight amongst the party.
0: It's not something I notice or plan to do most of the time. It's just a thing I do.
1: It's kind of like this, uh, yeah,
0: though, yeah. push Just put,
1: put, Go away a minute. <laughs> and, like, that's one thing that just amuses me a lot as a rules-oriented dungeon master is just the fact that for someone who has read so little of the actual D&D rules, you actually do have very good DMing instincts in terms of a lot of the player management. That is very much actually a strength of yours. Well, thanks. So, next up, we'll talk about another person and i'm curious to actually get caden's view on this as well which is the infamous rules lawyer the person who argues that the rules are a very specific thing or to allow them to do non-standard things because technically this power and this feat could potentially interact in, in this way so i'm curious just to get kind of both of you guys take on this because we all know who this person is
2: I mean, that sounds fucking cool.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, anyways, um, the way that you deal with a rules lawyer is that most of the time, if the what, what the rules lawyer is actually putting forward um is something that you're fine with actually following, it, it's okay. But the thing is that the real issue is when it kind of gets in the way of certain moments or certain things you want to do. So like there I are certain
1: th- away the blood.
0: That that's something a rules lawyer would do, but the thing is that I'm not gonna stop him from doing that because and the rules say that he can do that. And the thing is that it is kind of funny that whenever there is a moment when, um, you know that that like everyone, I, I say, okay, everyone's covered in blood, and um, you leave the 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 uh, bloody room, and then he's like, no, I I, I have no blood on me. You press the digitation. I'm like, gosh, damn it, why you keep on doing this to me? But that's, that's a moment. Yeah. That's that's fun. It's fun. The thing is that that's fun and funny. The issue with rules layering is when it affects certain things like another player is like, I want to do something cool. I want to um, run across this thing, leap across and then stamp the guy. It's like, you well, can't do actually, that. You, can't... you
1: only have yeah. a dexterity of 10. So you really don't have the best chance. The DM shouldn't even let you roll for it.
0: Actually, and that, that, that's where it becomes like an issue, right? i have a question could i use my
2: um inspiration from Riftway to get about five minutes of advertising time in um r and R? my own shitty prospect
0: no no, no you can't go ah, well, ahead we'll
2: but, uh, let you go inspiration. off at the end i promise oh, well. you
1: we'll let you go off at the end so you can close this out as the stinger all right sure and again like we always talk about sometimes there are going to be these kinds of random interruptions And as a DM, to just have compromise and communication to maybe not give them everything that they want, but to allow them at least most or at least a good amount of what they're going after is usually enough to satisfy most people at the table. But anyway, going back to the rules layer in particular, uh, like we did talk about a little bit in Tuesday's episode, that is also the type that is most likely to have metagaming be an issue. And again. The best way to deal with that is to simply enforce the line between what the player knows and what the character knows, because again, if I'm playing a character like Morris with a six intelligence, then just because i Remy know the rules or just because you know i Remy know a monster's you know a c or vulnerability or immunity or any of those kinds of things that I know. That does not mean that my character does. So, if I, as Morris, were to say, you know, oh, well, actually, that thing is immune to cold. So, everybody stick to using fire attacks. Nathan would be completely within his just authority as DM to just say, mm-hmm. Remy, shut up. Morris doesn't know that. And, and if yeah, I were to try to push, like, as uh, so one issue that, you know, the more metagaming rules layer. Sometimes tries is to try to push by saying, "You know, well, can I roll to see if Morris knows and that is where thing the line can get a little fuzzy, but that's also just pushing the boundaries of civility in all honesty because just because there's a chance of someone knowing does not mean that even I should roll for it so I made the joke earlier about you know the rules lawyer trying to enforce the rules on other people, but It is also within the Dungeon Master's authority to say, no, there is not a reasonable reason that your character would know that thing. Like, maybe you have someone else in the party who is, you know, proficient in the nature skill or some such thing that might be more reasonable to possibly know a thing. But this is almost a merger of, you know, metagaming and Spotlight Hog because... A rules lawyer that becomes problematic is usually doing that just because they want to be right. It doesn't even matter sometimes whether they actually are right or not. They simply want to push hard enough to get the DM or other players to just back down to let them get their way. And that is something that a DM does need to be careful about and to enforce to not let it interrupt the game to get that far uh also one just uh simple bit of advice to deal with that kind of situation there are going to be some times where as a dungeon master you may not remember a particular rule like maybe you don't remember what are the rules for you know jump distance and then there might be a rules lawyer like me at the table who does and yeah he's very reliable yeah, you could <laughs> yeah and we'll get to that part actually in just a sec but one thing that you can do is just say look the rule, I remember, it's complicated and dumb, so we're just going to do this, and maybe we'll look up the actual rule later, but I don't care. I just want to move things along. That's okay, but, because and the that's like is perfectly the, valid. Of the rules.
0: Like what I, I often say when when uh, it comes to rules, okay, if it makes it more interesting or gives that like the element for the players to have more fun, sure, we can use the rule, but if it's just going to make us like, suffer through a bunch of math and rolling stuff that doesn't really matter, then just not, you know?
1: Exactly. To just I'll worry about it later. On the other hand, one good way to manage them is to just do as Nathan often does, of just say, I don't remember, Remy, what's the rule? Rules lawyer rattles it off, we do the thing and move on. Because to make such people be useful can often stop them from escalating to the problematic level. Speaking of escalation, that will take us to our next one here, which is the escalator. So this is the type of thing where let's uh, so there's an example here I'm going to use DM. You walk into a tavern. There's a quiet fire burning in the fireplace. The bartender is trying to then the escalator will interrupt. I slap the waitress, throw the bottle of rum in the fireplace, exclaiming, it's too cold in here, and start laughing maniacally. Like, some players just want to do shit for the sake of it. And honestly, this is another of the more common ones to kind of deal with. So, Nathan, how would you manage that type
0: of person? Consequences. Lots of consequences. Major (laughs) plot-changing consequences. So, Caden,
1: would you be able to give us an example of such a situation?
2: Well, I've never done anything like that, personally, because I'm not an absolute (laughs) friend, obviously, right? But, um, say (laughs) someone were to, I don't know, say we just uncovered this incredibly important relic that was one of a kind in its world, like, an example, like a revive potion or something, and, um, there was this guy who was carrying it, and if we were to kill him or something would happen to him, then it'd it'd be horrible, it would completely change the course of the story, it would be completely off the rails, right? So if you killed them, like say for example, you you know split their head in half with an axe, uh, that that would that would fuck stuff up. I, I Nathan, the, 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 this is the uh, I think it's a good purely hypothetical, of course. It, it purely, yeah, obviously, right? I, I, I know it's, it's obvious. I don't need to point it out, but purely hypothetical, right? Um, but it's the benefit of um, you know, the way we do Rift Break, right? Even though the story suffers um from and being improvised, it allows people who do that have consequences. And it's more interesting, you
0: know? Yes, um, like, here's the thing, right, is I understand that most, like, some DMs aren't actually okay with having certain, like, the, the entire plot just fall off the rails and crash against a tree and then spin around the ground and turn into a giant snake that gets stabbed and bursts into flames and then into ashes, right? And the ash blows but, away. But but the the thing is that if if you're actually like okay with doing that, it's it's it can be a pretty fun way to show the players that okay the actions that you make have consequences, and you know this often results in one of two things: the players are like shit, maybe I shouldn't have done that. I'm not gonna do that no more. The other one is they're like shit, that did the thing. That's really cool, and you can just have two really cool results where you now have either a more understanding player of like okay maybe i don't do that or oh, you have this players like okay i understand what buttons i can push that can make this situation more fun and rather than just crazy but yeah sure like it's always going to be a balance of sorts and there's certainly ways that um like it's going to be hard on the dungeon master or it could be a situation where it's bad because sometimes the player might just go off the off to the deep end and you know just keep on trying these sorts of things.
1: Exactly. And when I'm trying to just draw someone new into a DD game, there's an example that I like to use as kind of my go-to, which is that one of the draws of Dungeons and Dragons is that it can be that kind of sandbox kind of world. Like that is more my own style. And so I'll give the example, I'll allow you to roll to see if you can punch the king in the face, but regardless of the result of that roll, you have to acknowledge that there's going to be the obvious result of you even attempting that. So just because a player can do something does not mean that they should. And whether it is just that the player may not understand that about the game yet Or just that they become, you know, maybe it's a higher level person and that they just decide to start doing more extreme things because of the fact that they are quite literally more powerful than most of the people that they come across. Because even by mid-level, like even a level 8 adventurer or so could still probably kill like 20 townspeople or so before they actually were to get brought down themselves by numbers. And if you have a magic user with fireball, potentially even more than that. But the point being like adventurers are crazy powerful very, very quickly in all editions of D&D, honestly. But even in fifth edition, where it is like less power creep than in fourth, like having an understanding of the limitations of a character is a very important thing to be understood by everyone at the table to get that understanding of this is a thing that I can do, but again should I? And that, to get that understanding can be a bit difficult.
2: Now this is a problem that I've never encountered because I have no limit and um,
1: I can do whatever I want without consequence. Uh, Actually, you just reminded me of uh, the exact thing that you're lying about. So, Caden is an individual who is too young to be able to drink alcohol, and therefore does not really know or understand the limits of drinking. So his character, gora from Naheim, Dwarven Paladin, is an alcoholic by pretty much any definition of the word. And so Nathan decided that on a day where Caden wasn't able to make it, To have that be an enforcement of the consequences of his actions. To have the reason that Gorf was out for the day to be (laughs) just that he got alcohol poisoning from his excessive drinking. And so explaining that to Caden, yeah, it was a great use of that. I didn't
0: say that that was particularly fucking funny because it's just one of those major parts of his character now.
2: And not only that, right, but that also led on to so many other good plot points, like Father Cuntonbury, watch the show, watch Riftwake. Yeah, it's, just, it's really good, really amazing storytelling that made my day, you know? <laughs> made my life so much brighter just by listening to it. I'm um, being part of that show, and I'm sure listening to it would have the same effect. Brilliant. Phenomenal.
3: <laughs>
2: uh-huh. Thanks. <laughs> Skip the episodes I'm not in, though. Anyway, they, they, they don't
1: count. <laughs> even if you're mentioned?
2: If I mean, depends how well I'm mentioned. If they're mentioned in a completely biased uh, well. like way like oh that Gorif guy is a real twat like that, don't listen to those but the ones that's like oh god what a incredible person limitless amazing those ones they worth watching just tune out any negative um <laughs> feedback of me because it's not true it's all it's all bullshit fake news
1: that would be too much <laughs> yes. anyway so we've been talking about some of the types of escalator in terms of you know direct actions but There are also other angles that that can take. Besides just the extreme version of Instigator that might just charge in foolishly, there are other versions as well. One other one that is also unfortunately common uh, is the escalation through... How do I even phrase it? Social awkwardness, let's put it. So it is a generally accepted fact that a lot of people who play D&D may not be 100% socially adjusted. (laughs) I, myself, can very much be included in this number. But it is an unfortunately common thing to take the escapism in D&D in directions that become uncomfortable to the rest of the table. So we have talked in the past about having that kind of talk in Session Zero about the lines to not cross, but that can still be a thing that does come up. So, the first example that comes to my mind. So, let's just do a quick role play situation, Nathan. Like, let's pretend that we're just in a pub and I'm just playing. I might be dead too. I'm just playing a random character. I might be too. Actually, you know what? Let, no, sorry. I'm going to exclude you, Nathan. Uh, sure. Hey, hey, let's, let us, yeah, let's go ahead and do this with you. All right, sounds good. So, I um, the
2: guest star.
1: So, let's pretend, Caden, that you are DMing a game and are trying to describe a pub. All right. And then I interrupt you. Yeah. Uh, and, like, let's just say, you know, we just got our drinks and I just ask, oh, um, uh, was it an attractive woman who served us our ale? No, it was got from the Caden, come on. Sorry. All
2: right. Um, no, it was a man in his middle age called John.
1: Perfect. I'm going to try to seduce him. Okay. And, and, okay, I crit my seduction check, and I want to roleplay this out entirely. I want to prove that my character is a god of sex. <laughs> sure thing, man. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh my god that's
0: amazing it's just like everyone's sitting there kind of awkward and then you're just like okay and and i and i um, and i prepare a flask I, Rufy, they I begin to
1: unbuckle my tunic <laughs> Unfortunately, as an adventurer, I have 12 belts, so it does take a few minutes. But I do. Suddenly, a demon appears
2: in the room and fucking explodes you. You die. You explode. Your head is ripped off. (laughs) It turns out of the shadows. (laughs) Got it
1: from the heim. He comes and he cleaves. The bartender's headed to two.
0: Oh no! It, it the turns bloodiness. out that 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 endless world, right? It's just like if you're not married and and, and try to have sex, you, you know, Garf will come and kill you.
2: Oh yeah, is a big advocate of Christian
1: values. Oh, so, always moving in. on to the last one that we'll talk about for now, and obviously there are still a lot more categories of potentially problematic players, but. There's just too much to cover in any kind of reasonable time Does that mean we'll
2: get a Problem Players
1: too? Electric Boogaloo. It's possible. So, anyway. Last one for today, though. (sighs) The steal from the party type. (laughs) And, yeah. (laughs) Would you like to lead us off,
2: Caden? Right, so, um, when you've gone on an adventure, right, and you've done all the work, clearly, like, your party just stuck in useless dead weight, and then you get offered a reward at the end, If you've done the most work in your eyes, you deserve all the reward. And sometimes you have to take it from them, and they know it's the right thing, but they just—they're too greedy. (laughs) They're too greedy to admit it. So you need to take it from them. It's for their own good, and you deserve it the most. So that's what I do, obviously. Um, Gorif always does all the damage. He always leads all the conversations. He never gets him. All my party members are always getting the party
0: into constant trouble. The big funny thing here, right? for everyone who hasn't actually watched the show, the person who gets, like, stuff stolen from him the most is Gaurav.
1: <laughs> I, I'm sorry, what? Stolen from him?
0: Yeah, stuff stolen from him. You get No, no, no.
2: I, no one can steal from me. I'm the most vigilant motherfucker there is. No one steals from perception. me. I am incredibly perceptive and With your a master wisdom. of dexterity. If anyone tried to steal from me, their head would be no more. They would be dead. And that's why no one has ever stolen from me, ever. Prove it. You can't prove
1: it. It's very wrong. Interesting take. Nathan, your thoughts? Yeah, sure. (laughs) But anyway, the point that honestly does need to be addressed, though, is that to have a person in the party who acts against the party is a problem. And... True the example I gave was specifically stealing from the party but there is also the much worse one of someone who like slits another party member's throat in their sleep oh god that I, I can't that believe that's a fucking thing that happens but it is i've stolen from
2: people but i'd never ever try to kill a party member i'd never do that yeah that's that's, too that's far. not a thing right yeah. i've no, never done it that it is a
1: thing but this is something to your credit Caden. you annoy me often Nah. but there are levels that you are that you have not stooped to. Like there are worse people in the world than you. And as loud and annoying as you can be in my admittedly biased opinion, you are not a bad person. So well, this is the kind of situation where you might have, you know, you are more pro your character than almost anyone else that I've ever seen. But at the same time, you understand one of the important parts of D&D, which is the fact that it is a team game. And there was one time where you did not follow the expectations, let's put it, and there was that moment when we were in an arena fighting side by side, your character and mine there was quite a lot of reward at the table. Mm, and please tell the people at home what was, what happened during All that right, encounter. Okay. Now,
2: this is a good story, right? Because it's it's a really good opportunity to show how much of a cheater and a liar and a fool Remy is, right? Fucking hell. Right, so basically, we were in this arena. I think 10,000 golds <laughs> or something, perhaps? And there were these monsters, right? Really simple monsters, right? Gorif was about level uh, 43 at the time. You could easily destroy them, right? Remy was like a level 2. And um <laughs> Gorif absolutely destroys All of them right He gets out his axe they don't even, He doesn't even have to get out his weapon They look at him They fucking shit their insides out And they fucking die right Even this, this massive stone golem right Takes one look at Gorif Crumbles Fucking crumbles into dust But Morris Morris snuck up behind Gorif And stabbed him And Gorif You know as powerful as Goriff was He did not expect This complete This betrayal of trust because Gorif is a trusting person, he, he, he believed him, and Remy cut that trust and stole the winnings from him.
1: Fuck you, Remy. For the record, my favorite part of that lie was the description of Morris stabbing Gorif, considering that Morris wields a hammer. <laughs> Stab with <laughs> a hammer. <laughs> it was a pointy hammer. A <laughs> pointy hammer. <laughs> If you'd like to know uh, what geez. really happened in that character, listen to Riftwick. It honestly was quite an episode when we were in the arena. But the point being was that the truth of the situation is that his character, Corv, tried to sabotage the fight so deceiving that you. I would die and he would receive all not the rewards. news, fake news, Josh, and- <laughs> Josh, Josh, fake news. And that isn't okay. Because nope. part of Wrong. the expectations at a DD and d table Wrong. is that the party cooperates with Not one true. another against the challenges in the world that the DM narrates around them. To have an untrustworthy member in the party is a problem. And if there is a hint of things heading in that direction, that must be dealt with immediately. And in the immediate aftermath of that episode... Caden and I had to have a chat about that is not okay, and that yeah, if he ever to were I... to try anything of that level again, there would be consequences, both for his character and potentially for Caden, the player. Because Uh-oh. a D and D world is a dangerous place; you must be able to trust the people in your party to work That's what I'm together. Getting at. You try to kill me. And even if you decide to play an evil character, people are not cartoon mustache twirling stupid villains. Even an evil character acknowledges the value of backup. So just because someone does want to have the most wealth in the world, they should know if they get their healer in the party to not trust them, that they might refuse to heal them at a critical moment. And then they might die. So, being able to trust people in your party, even if some characters are full on evil, is a very important thing that must be established. That was all wrong. Don't listen to him. <laughs> he's, he's got the wrong.
2: He's, he's, he's loopy. He's deceptive. He's a thief and a fool and a motherfucker. And he's a threat. I yeah, don't like him. No. Wrong. Got all wrong. My account's the right account. He's wrong. It's just giving me. Um, it's reminding me of a certain. Presidential debate that happened recently. Ooh. <clears throat> Ooh, <Yeah. sighs> you might want to cut that bit out, Nathan.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You you do sometimes. No, let's, <laughs> we let's talk not politics get into that. And R and R. <laughs> let's not get into any of that. Woo! Anyway, in summary, there are a lot of ways that a player can become a problem at the table, and the best way to deal with such things is to either cut them off before it ascends to the level of being problematic, to negotiate with them to reach some compromise between what they want and what you'll accept, or to simply have a more stern talk with them, should things actually do reach the level of being problematic. But just because someone does something very bad at the table, does not mean that the player is a bad person or even a bad D player it does not mean that they can't come back from it because open communication can solve damn near any problem at the table
0: even murder <laughs> Let's see. Thanks for listening to this episode of rest and Rolls. Please leave us a review and give us five stars on iTunes. Also, serve on some Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast. Two stars, loads, a dollar, and even that much really answers us out. It's to get benefits such as behind-the-scenes content, early access to episodes, access to the Discord, where we chat with the cast, and even a shout-out on the show. Find us on social media on Twitter at Rifwick Podcast, on Facebook as Riffwake, on Reddit, on the subreddit, or slash Podcast. And you can send us an email, riffsandrules at gmail.com. That's
1: riffs, A-N-D, rules at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye.
3: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant.